Welcome to the summer series here of Your Life Choices with our dear friend Peter Quarry, uh, psychologist of the stars. And it's wonderful to have you here, fresh from Bali, looking absolutely <laughs> sensational. Thanks for joining us across the series. Look, it's been an absolute pleasure. Look, I love coming in here and talking to you. I don't know why, but I do. <laughs> and, uh, and, and we've got a, someone you know. I do not know this person. I haven't met this person, but it's apparently a very close well, personal friend of yours. I thought it would be really interesting to talk to a real live stand-up comedian to, to find out a little bit about why you know why do we laugh at certain sorts of jokes and why don't we and just what is human so I've and God knows up, this show could do with some humour uh, well <laughs> don't go there so I've lined up a wonderful young man by the name of Simon Taylor now he's a Melbourne born comedian who by the age by the tender age of 24 which is an age that you and I can't remember he became a writer for the Tonight Show with Jay Leno wow and since then he's appeared on Just for Laughs and most impressively and I am super impressed by he became the first ever Australian to perform stand-up on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, respect. You know, so that's like the big thing. So Simon Taylor, welcome. Thanks for having me. I hope I live up to all these accolades. What the heck are you doing talking to us? That was a rhetorical he's, no, question. No, no, no. He's, he's having a think, why the hell am I talking to them? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, Simon, look, um, what made you become a comedian? Well, I think it's kind of a calling sometimes. I mean, you know this as a psychologist, you know, your, your DNA makeup just kind of, I guess it primes you. You have a proclivity towards something and it just keeps haunting you your whole life. So even... At school, I was dressing up as Elvis when I was five, and then I was uh. doing talent competitions where I was the clown. And then I went to uni to study psychology, but I kept doing improv and music and funny songs. And so even though I was on this sort of tr- private school uni uh, trajectory, I kept being pulled back towards the stage. So I, I couldn't help it, really. So it was just, it was always, yeah intriguing to me. At what stage did the penny finally drop and you said, okay, now I'm on this other trajectory to become a psychologist or whatever, but no, I want to become a comedian. I want to, I want to do that. That's really it. I mean, was there a moment that, you know, really your perception switched or was it a more gradual thing? I think it was about my first three gigs when I, I think it all clicked into place. So the first gig I did I think I was 22 or 23 maybe, and I bombed. It was terrible. I didn't get a single laugh. And I thought, oh, i got to get on stage and do that again. And my second one, mm. I bombed. And then my third one, I finally like got a laugh. And I'm like, oh, yes, I definitely want to do this again. So I think the answer is if I had a bad set, I wanted to get on stage and get it right. And if I had a good set, I wanted to get on stage again Tenacious. and en- enjoy it again. And so either way, I wanted to be back on stage. That's that's absolutely – I mean, I didn't know this about you. That is absolutely incredible because it, it must be the most humiliating experience ever to get up on stage – to try and do a comedy routine and bomb. I mean, I would yes, just, is. I would just, have you tried it? Oh, every day. I've done the last 50, for the, sorry, for the last 50 years. <laughs> but I mean, you, you, John, I mean, you're very, you are very funny. And I mean that quite yeah, but honestly, I, I but, you're, do, but you're not a comedian, you're no, not a stand-up comedian. And I want to ask Simon, how do you, and we're sort of going to jump all over the place here, but something I've always wanted to ask a comedian is how do you remember a 40 minute set or a 20 minute set? 
Well, I, the, at least the way I write is I write on stage, so to speak. So if I have an idea, I just jot down like a keyword and I go try that at an open mic room. So I do five minutes and I'll, I, you know, you may have your set list in front of you. And it's basically positive reinforcement. It's if you get a laugh, yes. it's, it's a way of, you know, just solidifying it in your head. So you'll do it again if you got that reward. You get that chemical burst in your brain of, oh, people like that. And Simon, you, as you know, every audience, it's very organic. You know, you can come out one day and say hello and they're falling on the ground. Next day you'll yeah. come out and do the whole bag of tricks and they're still looking at you like you're a stunned mullet. Exactly. And so when you do enough gigs and there are jokes that work every time or 99% of the yeah. time, you just don't forget them because you know they're reliable. Yeah. So you start with a five and then once that's in your head, then you do another five and then it extends to 10 and then 20 until you get to 40. So it, it, I, I never write 40 minutes worth of material and then have to memorize it. You're doing it in, in chunks. So are, are you saying that when you do a gig, all right, you've got your, you've got your jokes that you know work and obviously you use them um at every gig do you do you find that you're actually trying out some new material um i think it's sort of a cycle so i i kind of imagine it almost like farming you know you you have your season where you're planting ideas yeah and then you see what grows see what's working and then you harvest so for me when i tour my touring cycle is about once a year sometimes it's a little more, sometimes every two years, but I'll have a period June, July where I'm just trying ideas. And then uh, that's where I'm trying all my new jokes. And then in come January, February, March, I'm touring the States and all the Australian festivals. And I'm just doing what I know works because if someone has paid $30 to see me, they deserve to get the, the gold. Yeah. And, yeah. and then in June, July, I'll go do some free open mic gigs where you know, people get what they pay for. In that vein, I want to know, how does a young boy from Melbourne end up at 30 Rock in New York City on uh, the biggest Tonight Show in the universe? Oh, well, I don't fully know because <laughs> I think it was just, it was really six years of trying. Um, I think when I lived in New York and I lived in LA, I kept speaking to producers and agents about sending some tape in for The Tonight Show. And I think I got feedback from The Tonight Show about six or seven years ago saying, this isn't for us. So I was told flat out no about six years ago. And then uh, last year, or it was just uh, maybe a year, year or so ago, I was in Washington, D.C. I did a set and it, and it went really well. And I just thought, oh, well, you know what? They might have forgotten me at The Tonight Show. Well, I'll send this tape in. And they had forgotten me because they saw that tape and said, well, this is great. You should come to the Tonight Show. So you just don't, you don't give up trying. I think it, What's the thread we're hearing here, Peter? The thread is incredible tenacity. And I, I, I mean, I'm so impressed, you know, tenacity where most other people would just say, no, this is too hard. I give up. It, it's almost like the more knockbacks you get, the harder you try. Well, I, I definitely do think this is too hard. I'm going to give up. I think, I think that all the time. I just don't have anything else to do now. I've backed myself <laughs> into a corner. Hey, hey, I, I, I want, there's a question I want to ask you, Simon, um, because I know there are comedy workshops that you can go to. Do you think um, you can learn to be a comedian or is it sort of like you've just got it or you haven't? I think you can learn to be a comedian. I think 
I guess everyone's given a sort of instrument, like you have a natural instrument. So some people are given, you know, this beautifully crafted brass instrument and some people are given a rusty sort of uh, trombone or yeah. Yeah, hammer or whatever it is. <laughs> So you you do have like a, you know, whatever you're given. But uh, the, the nice thing about comedy is as long as you get a laugh, it doesn't matter how you get there. Exactly. So some people do it through being aggressive. Some people do it by being witty. Some people do it by being crass. Yeah. I don't put a value judgment on how people get there. As long as you get the laugh and there are people Absolutely. out there, there's an audience who like you. I don't. Uh, I don't judge. You know the the the, the means. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, we say that laughter is the best medicine, and mm. I, I know mm. that um, people who are funny are perceived as more attractive. You know, we like being around people who make us laugh because laughter is lovely. What advice would you give somebody who wants to try and be a little funnier than they are? I think in everyday life, the ability to have a funny line is means that people can see you don't take yourself too seriously, which is a really nice quality that you're um, you're able to disarm situations. It means that you're not going to get, you know, angry or, or, you know, bitter about things. So I think they, people see it as a really positive and easygoing reflection of someone. So I think if you can even have, you know, stuck lines, uh, people, I, I love when people say, you know, the same joke again and again at cafes and things like that, when they say, you know, can I get a coffee sooner rather than latte? That's even though it's cheesy, it's still enjoyable when someone's trying to, um, I guess, keep the mood light and, and reflect that you don't take things too seriously. Simon, some of the comedians, and all through my career, I've met many comedians and they are some of the most um, unfunny people away from the microphone you could ever possibly want to be with. They seem to be quite depressive people. Is that is that you, Simon Taylor? Yeah, I'm not very funny off stage. I think um, I can be, depending on how charming I need to be in the situation. But <laughs> I know I've seen, I've been, there's nothing more interesting than to watch a comedian watch a comedian working because they sit there and they are studying them. Yeah, I think we're looking at it like a mechanic. You're saying, oh, why did they put the engine there? And, oh, what did they do in there? So it is, you know, you are looking at it as a, as a technical uh, exercise, I think, to some degree. But uh, I, I don't think all comedians are depressive. I feel like that's just this. Um, the Pagliacci. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just sort of this cliche that people uh, love the idea that, that, that the funniest people are the most miserable and they pay attention when that's the case. But there are so many comedians. I think comedians are about the same as any other profession. We just take note. It's just very, it seems very sexy when people are like, oh, he's so depressed. How is he funny? Yeah. There's an irony to it. But yeah. it's about the it's about the same, I think. Simon, before we let you go, um, I have to ask you this question: What is your favourite joke? Oh, good on you! Oh, I was going to ask right, that. Yeah. Fantastic! I love it. I, I can tell you that actually. Oh, great! Uh, I was hoping you could. Uh, this is an old jokey joke, right? This is one of those old old style, long set up punchline jokes. So bear with me, but here it is: A man joins a monastery, a Buddhist monastery. And when he joins, the head monk says, okay, here are the rules. Every seven years, you're allowed to say two words. But other than that, it's complete silence. So he joins the monastery and for seven years, he's in complete silence, doesn't say anything. 
And at the end of that seven years, the head monk brings him out and he says, all right, my son, please tell me your two words. And the man says, cold floors. And the head monk nods his head and the man goes back into the monastery. Another seven years goes by, 14 years goes by. The head monk brings the man out again. He goes, your next two words. He says, bad food. The head monk nods his head, lets him go back out. Another seven years goes by. 21 years has gone by. This man is in there. The head monk brings him out again and says, all right, my son, what are your next two words? He says, I quit. And the head monk says, well, I am not surprised. You've done nothing but complain since you got in here. (laughs) Well done. Uh, Simon Taylor, our special guest, international comedian. And uh, where is uh, Simon going to be in 24? I will be at all the festivals. So you'll see me in uh, Perth Fringe World, Adelaide Fringe, Melbourne Comedy Festival, Sydney Comedy Festival, Canberra, Brisbane, Gold Coast. I'm doing them all. Well, Simon, we wish you all the very, very best. And also I want to say a special hello and congratulations because I know you've just had a child who I haven't met yet. Uh, so uh, hopefully we can uh, we can catch up with them soon. But listen, it's been lovely having yeah, you yeah. today. Thank you so much for giving us your time and, uh, and your wisdom. It's been fascinating. I appreciate it. And yes, the baby is about 20 to 25 minutes worth of new material. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I knew you'd have to give They're good for something, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> Got to pay for those school fees, mate. Thank you, yeah. Simon, and you take care. Thanks so much. Simon Taylor, our special guest on today's summer edition of uh, of Your Life Choices. We've got someone very special coming up next week as well, so get set for that. Until next time, this is John Deeks and Peter Quarry. Have a lovely summer.